This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. May 6, 2020. A couple of economic releases today to share with you. First was MBA Mortgage Applications. It's a Mortgage Bankers Association. For the week uh, prior, the composite index was down 3.3% for the most recent week of May 1. The actual was a 0.1% increase, so pretty much flat. The purchase index was up 6%, and the refinance index was down 2%. The big big daddy of the day, though, was the ADP employment report. The prior, uh, for, for March, the decrease was 149,000. The forecast for April was... Minus 20 million. The consensus range was minus 90, minus 9.3 million to minus 22.5 million, and the actual was minus 20.236 million. So, not all of the 30 million people that have filed for unemployment benefits showed up in this uh, report. However, uh, this was quite a bit larger than I expected, based on, <clears throat> excuse me, based on the fact that uh, uh, the vast majority of initial jobless claims in at least Minnesota are for temporary rather than permanent layoffs. So, I guess I don't know if some states uh, uh, code this differently or, or record it differently, or if it's just a matter of there was uh, maybe somebody said something that wasn't quite correct in terms of how the uh, those numbers are calculated. So that leads me to believe that we're probably going to see a much higher forecast for, or much higher uh, um, jobless, uh, uh, job losses in April when we get the April report. And right now, I'm just checking to see here what the forecast is right now the forecast is for 21.5 million job losses so uh, that's going to be a lot bigger than I thought it was uh, at least in terms of uh, the discrepancy between who's considered unemployed and who's not so the breakdown for today's report I'll just run through some notes here it was obviously the biggest decline in jobs in the history of the of the survey although I'm not quite sure how far back that goes said small employers with uh, small employers those with 1 to 49 workers lost 6 million jobs mid-sized enterprises with 50 to 499 million employees lost 5.3 million jobs and large businesses with 500 employees or more lost 8.9 million jobs service producing industries lost 16 million jobs led by 8.6 million job losses at hotels and restaurants. Retail and transportation also lost 3.4 million jobs. Healthcare companies also cut employment by at least 1 million. Companies that produce goods laid off 4.2 million workers with 2.5 million losses in construction and 1.7 million in manufacturing. And let's see, what did they say? The, um, okay, so there's that. Um, it says, if anything, the ADP report might have undercounted the number of lost jobs. Survey counts individuals as employed as long as they are on the payroll, even if their hours have been reduced to zero. So, 
The survey in counts individuals as employed as long as they are on the payroll, even if their hours have been axed to zero. So for people that are sitting at home right now on furlough that are still getting paid and that are still, quote-unquote, attached to their job, uh, even if they're not working, you're considered employed, at least by this survey. And what else did they say about this? In all likelihood, total job losses probably exceed the 23 million new jobs created from the end of the last recession. That is just absolutely incredible. That is just incredible. Um, let's see, what else do they say here? It says, ADP said that job losses of this scale are unprecedented. The total number of job losses for the month of April alone was more than double the total job lost job losses during the Great Recession. So, that's a breakdown of what happened with the uh, ADP employment report, which is automatic data processing. It's a company that has tracked private employment for many, many years. They do not include government employment, so that's why the uh, number on Friday will probably be so, uh, you know, at least a little bit larger than this number. I'm just checking to see here if, uh, yeah, okay, I got that. All right, so that's what happened with the ADP report today. And the stock market was holding fairly steady um, with not a whole lot of action up or down throughout most of the day. Then right toward the end of the day, it lost about 200 points. So um, there wasn't uh, in the news that I saw any real reason for that. Um, but uh, people are digesting, you know, the ADP report, and uh, there are some. Even though there's there's uh, there's positivity around states reopening their economies, there's also worries about if the reopening plans are going to be, you know, good enough in terms of keeping people healthy, and how much economic activity is actually going to resume, based on how both businesses and consumers react to. The, some of the uh, the reopening plans that governors have laid out. One other note was that Disney profit was down in the first quarter by 90%. That is just incredible. That's incredible. And I'll mention a little bit more about that in a second here. Another interesting thing was that interest rates actually rose even though the market fell because... The U.S. Treasury Department boosted the size of longer-dated bond auction. So that basically means they're they're um, issuing more debt than they had previously expected to do. So that uh, weighs on bond prices, which, which pushes interest rates higher. All right, one other quick note here. Uh, Donald Trump said that the task force is can, will be continuing as opposed to prior reports that it was possibly going to be winding down. Uh, it might take a little bit different form, and they're probably not going to be meeting it quite as often, but they're still going to have people working on this because they want to focus more on reopening the economy and keeping everybody healthy. Uh, Trump was quoted as saying that the coronavirus is worse than, the Pearl, than Pearl Harbor and 9-11. So, uh, yeah, obviously it's a pretty big deal here. Uh, okay, I got some notes from some various sources here on some different topics that I want to share with you. First of all, uh, 
as if this wasn't bad enough, if this virus wasn't bad enough for the food industry, now we have a possible frost coming for the Midwest and Northeast this weekend, possibly seeing 10 to 25 degrees below normal, which is going to be bad for farmers in many states. And the article went on to say that some farmers may end the farming se- the harvest season with not a whole lot of crops to be harvesting if, if the frost hits bad enough. So we'll see how that turns out, but we certainly don't need any more bad news for the farming and the food industry, my goodness. Uh, next up, uh, there's a, a story about a man-made antibody that neutralizes the coronavirus. Uh, has the potential to, some researchers are working on this, it has the potential to prevent and treat COVID-19 and possibly has the potential to prevent and treat other diseases that are caused by viruses in what is called the starb covirus subgenus. There's some medical terminology for you. Okay, and another really strange story was that a researcher that was working on the coronavirus at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine was killed as he was on the verge of making some major breakthroughs about learning how the about how how the coronavirus works and how to how to attack it. Uh this would probably lead to some conspiracy theories except for the fact that the the killer or the uh the person who was killed knew his killer. So that kind of I think throws a lot of water on any conspiracy theories. But you never know, you never know. Uh but it it is interesting that just as he was on the verge of some breakthroughs, this guy was killed. Uh you hear about that happening a lot in other countries, but that doesn't happen here in the United States, but uh more than likely, it's just, uh, it's not any kind of conspiracy theory. Next up is uh, Campbell Harvey, who was a professor of finance at Duke University, said that the recession will be brief but brutal. He expects recovery by the year end. This was the guy who uh, discovered that the inverted yield curve w- uh, is a very good indicator of uh, a coming recession, a good predictor of recessions. Uh several years ago so he's he's been pretty good at predicting recessions so he's somebody to listen to so again he's predi- he's predicting that the recession will be brief but brutal and the recovery is expected by the year end but it depends on when we get a vaccine for the virus and how much damage will have been done to the economy before the recovery begins so obviously the more damage done the harder harder and longer it's going to take to uh recover from from the recession. Next up, some notes on the restaurant industry. Uh, this guy owns, I think, a taco place, taco uh, restaurant chain in Texas. He says they have to worry about all contact points in restaurants, at least in terms of keeping them clean and, and sterilized so that people can touch them without worrying about catching the virus. He says restaurants are opening in Texas at 25% capacity, so it makes it very tough to make any money at that low capacity says you need to have uh, customers are still being cautious as they return to the restaurants and they need to have a reopening plan and and his reopening plan is very detailed he said there was 39 points i think in his reopening plan very detailed it says uh, that they, they need to make sure proper spacing when people are in line to order and pick up food he said they had actually people out there 
um, making sure people were properly spaced. Some of the restaurants had, you know, little circles or dots on the floor, but, uh, said some, some people were out there making sure people were properly spaced. Um, they're providing masks for those who want them and employees are wearing masks. Guests need to be patient and understanding as the restaurant industry works through all these new, uh, rules and regulations and policies and procedures. And the restaurant industry projects $240 billion in losses by the end of the year. Next up, uh, some notes on the film industry. Uh, uh, film production and releases are being done on a case-by-case basis. Uh, uh, the making and watching of films is a communal experience, and it's being highly disrupted by all the social distancing. What will be new habits or or what will be the new habits for consuming movie content moving forward is a big question. More movies will likely be low or no contact, such as slapstick, romance, and fight scenes. Uh, everyone will be concerned about their safety and what will be the new protocols. Returning to movie theaters will likely be very gradual, but will be but there will be some pent up demand. It's all about instilling consumer confidence about health right now, he says. 2021 will be a huge year for blockbuster movies due to being postponed in 2020. That is, if, you know, depends on how fast the movie industry rebounds itself. Right now, streaming is the only game in town. There's no competition right now from theaters, obviously. It says loyalty programs will be really stepped up by movie theaters as consumers get more used to watching content at home during the pandemic. So he expects to be there to be um, actually also a better theater experience that will be put in place by theaters to bring people back to their theaters. Okay, now a quick update on the coronavirus uh, for the world right now. The death rate as of yesterday was 6.93%, holding about where it's been for, uh, looks like at least a couple weeks here. The growth rate in fatalities was 2.3%, up from 1.7% yesterday. For the United States, the death rate is 5.84% yesterday, which is looks like it's the highest, so up a little more than we've seen recently. And the growth rate in fatalities from day to day is 3.4%, and that is the highest we've seen since April 30th. So we went all the way down to 1.7%, and now we're back up to 3.4% again. Yesterday was a bad day, and um, it looks like today we're, let me see here. Looks like today we're looking at, so far, 1,822 fatalities in the United States. So it's going to be another tough day today. But just like uh, just like I expected, yesterday was a bad day based on the trends that we've seen over the last four weeks. Like I said, Sunday uh, seems to be the day that uh, is the lowest number of fatalities. Then Monday picks up a little bit, and then Tuesday soars. So there has to be some kind of some reason for that, and I think it's probably due to the, to the delay in gathering the data on people who have died over the weekend or something like that. Maybe there's fewer people in, in the hospitals over the weekend that are, you know, recording the fatalities. I don't know, but that's that's just my my uh, theory on that. But what one thing I also wanted to mention was that I watched a video yesterday, and it was pretty interesting. But there was one thing that made me stop 
and think, wait a minute here, what's going on? And that was the fact that this video showed the CDC's website, and it shows uh, what's called provisional deaths. And it has fatalities by week, the total number of fatalities by week. And so it, it shows shows this information, but what's interesting is it, it breaks it out between COVID-19, um, all, all deaths, COVID-19 deaths, pneumonia deaths, deaths with pneumonia and COVID-19, influenza deaths, and deaths with pneumonia, influenza, or COVID-19. So you got all these different uh, mixtures and uh, characteristics of fatalities that this website shows. But what stood out was the fact that this guy said, look, there was 72,000 deaths uh, as of yesterday. And uh, according to Johns Hopkins and, and uh, Worldometers. And on this website, it showed 39,000 COVID-19 deaths. So almost half. And he was saying, what is going on here? And I thought to myself, what is going on here? But apparently, he didn't do quite enough research because, uh, well, one of the commenters on the video did say that he he knows that the uh, the CDC data is dated uh, is 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 lagged by a couple we- one or two weeks because they use actual death certificates that they collect and record as opposed to you know not having the death certificate data that. Maybe Johns Hopkins or Worldometer has, uh, so uh, which is odd. I don't know why they wouldn't have that information. But anyway, the, the CDC data is lagged by one or two weeks. So I ran the numbers. I did some analysis. I put together side by side the weekly fatality data from Worldometers and the weekly fatality data from the CDC, and what I found was that. Uh, so I put together a chart. And it showed that up until the week of April 11th, the CDC data tracks uh, World Aminos data almost almost exactly. It's slightly less for C- for CDC than World Aminos for the week of April 11th. But then as you get out to uh, more recent weeks, the discrepancy expands quite widely. And that's because the data is lagged. For example... The number of fatalities as of May uh, for the week ending May 2, uh, reported by Worldometers, was 13,188. But the CDC, as of the week ending May 2, only has 631, 631 COVID-19 fatalities. So uh, that's, again, because of the lag in data. So as time goes on, these lines will converge for uh, weeks that were further in the past, but they are going to be wide, widely uh, spread out for more recent weeks. So what I just wanted to say about that was that if you hear about that anywhere on the internet, just understand that I have done the research and it doesn't look like to me that this is really that big of a story. It's certainly not uh, a situation where there are 50% fewer COVID-19 fatalities than, uh, than have been reported. Uh, so I don't see a conspiracy here. All I see is just a different uh, methodology and different time frames for the reporting.
Okay, there's that. All right. That's all I have for today on for the, the tip number 18 for how to stay sane during unemployment. Tip number 18 is learn SAS, S-A-S, which is another statistical analysis and, and data analysis program that has been in wide use for many, many years and is uh, appears to be more preferred by bigger corporations. I read a report a while back that said SAS is more preferred by bigger corporations, whereas R and Python are preferred by smaller corporations, which is interesting. I would assume that's because SAS is expensive and R and Python are free. So if you are, you're a small or starting out a new business and you want your data scientists and your data analysts to be analyzing data, why not use a free program and keep costs down, you know? So, and uh, and I do know that you can get a free version of SAS. It's called SAS University Edition. Just look that up on, on Google. And uh, not only that, but you can find uh, YouTube, SAS has a YouTube channel. So just type in Google SAS YouTube channel, and they have a whole bunch of videos that can help you to learn SAS. So tip number 18 is learn SAS. That's all I have for today. Again, if you like what you're hearing, please follow me or subscribe to my podcast. Please spread the word to your family, friends, neighbors, and relatives. And now it's time to thank another new follower that I have acquired over the last day. This person's name is Cubs. No, actually, I know that it's pronounced Coobs because this is a good friend of mine. Uh, one of my best friends from college and from my former poker playing days and from watching a ton of sports and all kinds of road trips from back in the day. <laughs> Real good guy. Coobs, welcome aboard. I'm hoping that you're going to find my podcast valuable. And, hey, why not uh, let all the other TRWs know too? That's a little inside uh, joke between the two of us all right again you can uh, uh, listen to prior episodes for tips on how to stay sane during unemployment if you haven't heard those already and all the other good stuff that i've shared on those prior episodes and tomorrow i will be sharing information on a very highly uh, looked at economic indicator right now which is weekly jobless claims data which for right now it seems to be uh, really looked at a lot by a lot of people because it's high frequency. It's it's weekly data, not, not monthly data or quarterly data. So it gives us a real good idea as to what's happening in the economy right now. So we'll take a look at that data, and then we'll also look at productivity data for the first quarter. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe, stay sane. Thanks for listening. Have a good rest of your day.